0: The Diary of a Future CEO. Inspiring stories to ignite the next generation. Media, I know it's not that long ago that you left school, but it probably feels like a lifetime because you've done so much since then as a beatboxer and vocal percussionist, um, recently on tour with Sons of Pitches. Notice I try to say that last word very carefully. How's that been going?
1: It's been an amazing 10 years now. Yeah when I left school I wanted to see what I could do with the um, beatboxing and whatnot but I never thought it would take me to you know where it has taken me. I've had an amazing time with Sons of Pitches with all the other people that I've worked with and I'm really grateful for the things I've managed to achieve.
0: You left school uh, to go to university to read pharmacy. How come you ended up in a music career?
1: Um, I think you know I always wanted to at least complete the pharmacy. It was I was a scientist growing up, so I always knew I wanted to at least have that ticked off. But I know that there was a side of me that really loved or was in awe of entertainers. And I wanted to find a way into doing that, I guess. I wasn't like the greatest singer or the greatest dancer. So I was very fortunate to find beatboxing or something that was sought after at uni. And then, um, yeah, I joined the acapella society, joined the group. And yeah, the rest is history, I guess.
0: So when did you start kind of working on this beatboxing craft? Was it something that you started off during your childhood?
1: I think it was the summer holiday of year 11, going into A-levels at school. And that, that holiday, I think, is quite a long one after the exams. And I just remember finding seeing a YouTube video come up. Someone was beatboxing and I wanted to know how to do it. So I just typed in how to do what this guy is doing. And um, I spent all of that summer up till 3 a.m. every night Um Disturbing my mum's peace, and um, then I think I tried again another another school holiday, and then entered a couple of talent shows at school, which went better than I thought. And then I decided, yeah, I'm going to try and see where this see where this takes me.
0: Mide, you mentioned talent competitions at school there, but since you left school, you've also taken part in like national competitions.
1: The most notable one is probably the Naked Choir we did in 2015 with Gareth Malone, and um, we being Sons of Pictures and that was at a point where we'd done it for a couple of years. It was going okay. We were doing well on YouTube, but we didn't know if there was a longer term thing. So we kind of did that as a last chance saloon to see if we could take it a bit further. Three of the guys I think were even, had even started work because they were a bit older than me. They'd started their jobs, but they were living together in Birmingham so that we could all carry this on. And yeah, that show was amazing. It, we were obviously lucky enough to win that and it gave us the exposure to kind of seek, you know, management, an agent, a fan base. And from then on, we were yeah, we were able to tour and we've been touring since. It's been amazing.
0: Mide, you have thousands of followers and millions of likes on TikTok. Your profile says God and music. Is that a fair reflection of what's important in your life?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, in terms of just, I guess, my time here on this planet, I feel like my purpose has slowly become to, I kind of just want to make people happy with whatever I'm doing. So with music, it's a lot of the time it's a lot less for myself and I try and make things that will be enjoyed by people, whether it's the beatboxing, whether it's production on TikTok or whatever. And I am every day very grateful to God. I believe in God. I'm a Christian. I'm grateful to God that this has all fallen in place because the plans I had for my life when I was about 16 couldn't have been more different to where I've ended up. And I've ended up in a much better place than I think I would have had I not kind of trusted in him and tried to live a good life.
0: What would those plans have been if you hadn't followed that different path?
1: Originally, I wanted to A, try and become a footballer, B, try and become a sprinter, C, become a doctor. And I was set on all of those things. And when it felt like they weren't coming to pass, I was getting very down and thinking, what am I actually going to become? I I just going to kind of fall under the radar? No one really know who I am. And, um, just do something or other at uni. But then I didn't, I didn't even know about pharmacy being a degree until, um, results day of A levels. My mum just said it in passing. She was ironing. I'd tried calling up med schools. They'd all turned me down. And I said, okay, why not? And only because I chose the University of Birmingham was I able to go to that acapella society where I found the sons. Um, and where I was able to balance the time of being, you know, working through pharmacy, which I don't think I would have been able to do if I was actually doing medicine um, and a very, very helpful faculty as well that supported me while I was there to kind of go and do the TV show whilst I still had coursework submissions. They gave me some extensions and whatnot. So I felt like everything just fell into place really, really well.
0: You mentioned there about when you were 16, you know, not really knowing who you were. And I think something that really stands out to me about you is even when I watch you on TikTok and you're really funny, is that you seem to be really you lots of people talk about like trying to find their authentic self but you seem to have really figured that out
1: yeah i think it is something that takes it can take a lot of time for certain people based on their circumstances i think for me one facet of it is the fact that i am um i'm from i've come from two nigerian parents that have moved to the uk to cambridge which is a very generally middle upper class white area and the the i guess The various clashes that I experienced over time with the way life is outside of the house inside of the house the different the different cultures different music the different tastes and everything and trying to find what I liked and and being like being open with what I actually liked and you know growing up you know as a teenager you're trying to blend in with everybody so all of that side from home I wasn't really bringing to school equally I wasn't bringing a lot of school home so I felt like I was having a bit of a Teenage identity crisis or whatever. And I think a lot of people in my position can relate to that. And then when I became a lot more, I guess, confident in the fact that, yes, I've, you know, I've grown up in Cambridge and I'm grateful for all of these things. And I've also grown up in a Nigerian household and I'm grateful for all these things. And I'm happy to bring them, you know, bring them together and let everyone see the genuine me. I'm kind of done trying to keep up appearances here and there and just, you know, be open that I'm a Nigerian in Cambridge and this is this is me, this is my experience, this is my life.
0: And that comes across in kind of everything about you that I see. Um, so what would you say to those young people that are watching this now and they are those people, you know, feeling like you did when you were sixteen, maybe not too sure who they are, trying to work out their identity, be their authentic self, or what does that really mean? Is it just a kind of phrase that's been overused? What would you say to them from what you've learned?
1: Yeah, I would say firstly that it does it does get easier, I think. And I believe for everyone there are opportunities for you to show everyone who you actually are. I think school inevitably gives that pressure as teenagers, but you shouldn't think that there's like no hope that you're just going to be stuck in this, I'm like this here, I'm like this here. And I think, I mean, whether it's university or wherever you end up, as people generally grow up, I think everyone's a bit more accepting of difference, at least ideally. So. And especially in the kind of world we're in now, I think people are also just more accepting of that. So I wouldn't necessarily worry, I think, do everything you can to embrace who you genuinely are. And as long as you're genuine, then everything you do or you put your time into won't feel as tasking. It won't feel as stressful. It won't feel as, you know, you won't overthink things if you just be yourself.
0: I want to talk a bit more about your beatboxing now. Now, <clears throat> I have two kids and they're always asking Alexa to beatbox and trying to practice and it brings such joy and fun to the family. Um I know that you've done workshops around the world with young people. How easy is it really to to teach beatboxing and um inspire young people to give it a go?
1: Yeah, the beatbox workshops wherever we've done them or the a cappella ones have all been incredible. They and around the world, around demographics, ages, everything, it's always different. But the one thing that we do recognize is that music is is the same everywhere. An understanding of music is the same everywhere. So, um, you know, we've, we've been to Hong Kong with the group and done workshops there. We've been to Switzerland where, well, in Switzerland, the English was pretty good, but in Hong Kong, there were some schools we went to where no one spoke a word of English. Um, last year, we even went to Thailand, did the same thing. No one spoke much English at all. However, you know, singing stuff to people and they're able to sing it back and comprehend that music is its own language, really. So it makes it very fun for people that feel like they are maybe distanced from like Western society. They feel like there's a barrier to it. I think music can break those kind of barriers. And does it? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. I think beatbox in particular does, because I think um, you can ask, I mean, you can ask the other guys. They probably say the same, that there's often a stigma attached to singing for a lot of young people. They feel like they have to do it privately, so some people is a bit lame. Whereas beatboxing, because it's not all that mainstream, I think it still surprises a lot of young people. Um, I've noticed particularly with young boys who don't want to sing at all, but they hear beatboxing and go, "Wait, you know, they were trying to be cool a minute ago, and now they they're in shock that someone's making these kind of noises, and that gets them in, and they're usually quite attentive and receptive to it."
0: That's so interesting because when I was at school, you know, we sung all the hymns in, in um, assemblies like every single day and you were just brought up singing. And it was a really it was a part of your kind of culture and your your life growing up. So you didn't really think singing wasn't like cool. But now kids don't really sing that much in school. Um, and so when they do, I guess it, maybe it's when they're dragged along to an event where they have to sing, but it's not necessarily from their own kind of soul
1: yeah, yeah yeah exactly i feel like there's the desire to you know sing in like a choir and things like that is maybe dwindling a little bit um but yeah i think what in this acapella setting where there's beatbox involved as well i think it's kind of bringing a bit few more people on side
0: i was reading about you um developing your music production and kind of developing a new music genre, kind of Afro gospel. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so I, I kind of wanted to see where, you know, my passion for music would take me. Like I said, God and music. So I wanted to find a way, I guess, to give back to that side of my life. Um, I never really wanted to be singing or performing or rapping about the typical things that, you know, some people rap, sing or rap about. And I wanted to keep it at least lighthearted and ideally, you know, showing my gratitude for where I am up to right now. So I, yeah, I did end up producing and releasing one song. I haven't, re- I have so many on the back burner that I've never actually released. But there was one that I managed to decide. You know, I'm just going to do it, and I'm just going to see how it goes. And it, it kind of did all right. So I enjoyed doing that, and I'm hopefully in this next few months working alongside some other um, Christian artists, artists in general, just to try and make some more at least feel good music.
0: Mida, you're a really creative person. And I always think that to become a creative person during your childhood, you need to have been exposed to opportunities to be creative you know, while your brain's developing. So whether that's through like imaginary play or through experimenting with songs and music, how was your childhood in terms of encouraging that creative spirit within you?
1: I think um, starting playing an instrument from a fairly early age was probably the main thing. I think in the other aspects of my childhood, I think, um, you know, I was always listening to music. Nigerians, we have a lot of parties, so I was probably attending a lot of parties, dancing earlier than I should have been dancing maybe. But um, in terms of me having an input or learning how creatives do things, I guess it was probably learning learning the piano. I was about six or seven when I started learning to play the piano. So that was probably the first, I think that kind of unlocked my brain a bit to that side of things where you can you know you can embellish something that someone's already given you.
0: And then moving on from that did you carry on with the piano? Or... Uh,
1: I played piano until I was about 14-15 so I did about nine years of it and then incidentally it was what was it I had I had something on at school I think that made me miss a piano exam and mentally I signed out of it because I had to travel with school but um, I did it for about nine years and Whilst I don't really play the piano much anymore now, I use it a lot in production, I use it a lot in everything I'm doing, and I guess it's helped a lot with my with being in an cappella group. Um, so I kind of understand music to that kind of scientific level a bit, which is really helpful.
0: You mentioned the family environment and your mum earlier. Um, to what extent was she important in terms of like, the person you are today and bringing you up and inspiring your music?
1: I think, to be honest, Originally, when it was clashing a lot at university, because in, in their eyes, you know, I went to uni to do pharmacy, it was kind of a, you know, I guess prove me wrong kind of thing. So she was always up for me doing it as long as I did well in it, because she kind of sit, says, I think it even says in the Bible itself, in everything you do, try and do it well. So she kind of wanted me to make sure I was doing that. And it wasn't just doing things for the sake of them, it was, you know, try something, but, you know, try to almost make sure that you succeed to an extent. So that kind of always motivated me, that kind of mindset, and she, my mom has been such a hardworking person from since I can remember. So I've, you know, I've never really seen her put her foot wrong, do things wrongly, do people wrong, anything like that. So I've always wanted to kind of reflect her on how she raised me in what I do as well.
0: What would you say to young people that can pa- perhaps relate to some of those things that you were going through at that time, where maybe the path they want to follow doesn't quite align with other expectations, and how they kind of work that forward so that they can be who they really feel that they should be and want to be?
1: I guess you know I've spoken to my mum a bit since then, and um, you know my aunts and uncles and whatnot. And I guess it's a natural feeling in parenting. As far I'm not a parent, but as far as I know, it's a natural feeling in parenting to you know want your want the best for your child to want your child to go through life as safely as possible but um i think at when i was at that age i just felt like i was originally i felt like i was just being choked but in hindsight i know why my mum wanted me to you know at least have my head screwed on enough to you know get to uni because i think maybe if i'd done it by myself i might have messed up in school a bit for the sake of beatboxing so i think the balance i got from you know, listening to my mum to an extent, but also, you know, trying to find time here and there to pursue it um, helped me with passions. I think there always is time. I think as long as, as long as you make time for it, there's time. I don't, I don't think, you know, at 16, there was no time for me to beatbox. My mum, you know, my mum worked me hard with studying for pharmacy and I found time to beatbox to the point that I'm wearing right now. So I don't think it's a thing where, you know, you're not going to be able to ever pursue your passion. I think you just have to find the time or make the time.
0: You are a great role model for young people, Mide. And what would you say to young people watching this or listening to our podcast who who want to follow a career in in music or in the creative industries, you know, on the stage in some way? It's not an easy industry to get into.
1: I would say, firstly, it's, you know, you need to kind of have, a, you need to have a bit of a thick skin in the first place because, um you know, rejection comes a lot along the way. There are a lot of people that will just, you know, they'll turn you down like that. I tried um, Britain's Got Talent when I was in school, age 16, 17. The production team turned me down after like one minute of beatboxing, but a year later I was on the Naked Choir. And you have to kind of get used to those kind of rejections. And actually two years later, three years after that, I was on that Britain's Got Talent again, but with Sons of Pictures. So, you have to firstly, you know, accept that not everyone's going to like what you do, but don't, you know, don't pander to what they expected of you. Just if you believe in what you're doing, carry on doing it and eventually, you know, someone will pick you up. I, I promise you, if you do something and do it well, it will not take 30 years for someone to find it. Especially in this day and age where we have TikTok, Instagram. It's a sacrifice, it requires a lot of time. And if you have a nine to five, then unfortunately in that five to nine, you're going to have to find some time to pursue your passion um, because, yeah, there is an element of sacrifice to it. But, yeah, I guess, I guess that's the main thing. Um, maybe also go and talk to people that have done it. I kind of say that with any profession, any line of work, any puzzle, if you will, I'd say anything you want to do, find someone that's done it. It doesn't mean you're going to copy them. It just means it will save you some time trying to find a, an accurate, a good route. And you'll also hear the truth because social media won't tell you the truth.
0: Finally, we're asking everybody who comes on this podcast to share something that might inspire others, something you might have learned from your life. What would that be for you?
1: Make sure that your product represents you and doesn't represent um, what people expect of you. I think that's the main thing for me um, because when I tell people about my background, they're less surprised now because what I do does pretty much reflect how I've got here in the first place. And as long as you do that, I think, you know, you'll develop, you'll grow a fan base that enjoys you and you'll also just enjoy what you do more.
0: Can we finish off with some beatboxing then? (laughs) Thank
1: you. You're welcome. No worries. No worries. Thank you.